Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's ask our guy Patrick Nosey Walker of DallasCowboys.com on Scientific Method. Hey, Pat. Bill Belichick, defensive coordinator, 2024, what say you? Not happening. <laughs> <laughs> Not happening. Um, it, here's how I look at it. When it, Some some head coaches or former head coaches, or however you want to look at it, recently um, parted with their teams. You know, they would be open to probably taking a demotion. To, and But typically when that happens, it's because they're trying to rebuild their brand, right? Yeah. Um, Bill Belichick, even though he's struggled with Mac Jones and, and post-Brady years in New England, there is no one who believes that Bill Belichick needs to rebuild his brand. So that being said, I do not see how anything's possible, but I absolutely do not see a scenario in which Bill Belichick says, even though my brand, regardless of what happened over the past several years in the post-Brady uh, uh, era, in New England, regardless of that, I don't see any scenario where he feels he needs to go down a peg to a coordinator role to move back up a peg when we all know that if he sits out 2024, he is absolutely the number one candidate in 2025 for every single team that will need a head coach. And we will see if that's the Cowboys as well. So maybe Mm -hmm. that's on his brain as well. Maybe if he sits out in 24, things don't go well with Mike McCarthy, you're Bill Belichick. I mean, there you go. Exactly, man. And the reason why that's coming up is because of the uncertainty surrounding Dan Quinn, who's beloved, obviously, in that organization uh, as as a player coach guy and a guy who's helped turn around a defense that was historically bad in 2020. But I would like to know, we would like to know, you know, what are the vibes surrounding this defense coordinator position if he is to depart? Because it feels like that could be a high possibility more so than the last two seasons. Are we talking in-house? Are we talking out? You know, outside of the organization higher? What, what are you feeling around there? Well, first of all, they want Dan Quinn to, to come back. Mm. That's why you've not heard or seen the Cowboys make any, any news or any moves That's important. as far as that position is concerned. Um, they're really – it's a waiting game. They're really waiting to see what DQ does. And if he does not – um, leave for a head coach job, then he'll be right here in Dallas as the defensive coordinator for Mike McCarthy. If he does, um, to answer your question, I, I get the sense that they'll look in-house first. I think they'll do some, you know, a little bit of due diligence. I'm not of the mindset based on what I'm hearing that they'll, you know, go out there and, and throw a fishnet at the situation outside of the building to try to see, you know, uh, this person or this person or this person. I don't think it'll be like a, a robust 20-person interview process, I think it'd be more so, I think they have their targets in-house, um, plural, one primarily. I look at Joe Witt Jr. as someone, if he doesn't depart with Dan Quinn. But I had this conversation yesterday with a colleague as far as Joe Witt Jr. is concerned. The same for Al Harris as another example. Obviously, there's a 
a possibility that if Dan Quinn leaves, that he takes one or more members of his current staff with him. Obviously, that's possible. Right. Um, so you might see someone like Al Harris go wherever he's going, especially if it's somewhere like the Seattle Seahawks. Maybe not so much the Washington Commanders, uh, but the Seattle Seahawks, they have a very good secondary that a guy like Al Harris would thrive in as well. Um, but for Joe Witt Jr., you have to start to wonder, at what point does he want his own program again? Yeah. Um, I mean, this you know, this is a perfect situation for him in that if Dan Quinn does uh, leave for uh, other pastures, that you look at Joe Witt Jr. and you say, you know what, um, it's ready-made for you. Now the question would then become, who would Joe Witt Jr. be up against as far as outside candidates are concerned? But if you – uh, if you guys, ladies and gentlemen, if you're following the news and the hiring process that's been going on around the NFL, uh, not a ton that are still left um, for possible defensive coordinator additions to the Dallas Cowboys. And then keep in mind, if it's a lateral move, that then has to be that request has to be approved by the team, uh, the incumbent team. So some logistics there as well. But the longer it takes DQ to make the decision, the more likely it is that if he decides to leave, that it is going to be an in-house hire just by virtue of, one, you have some capable candidates in-house, Joey Jr., Al Harris, but you're also kind of putting yourself on the back end of the hiring cycle as far as outside the building uh, potential ads. So there we are with that. Man, that, that's exactly how I was feeling, you know, because if they, if they really truly wanted somebody outside the organization, I think they would have had to make that move on Dan Quinn in a sense of, 100%. I know they don't want to use the term fire because they, they just don't do that often here, but they would have had to fire Dan Quinn because now they're behind the eight ball, man. These guys, these coordinators are getting hired or they're getting head coaching jobs or, you know, they're, they're taking the same position elsewhere, and now you're just left with scraps per se. So it, I, I, I definitely wholeheartedly agree with what you said. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly where they are um, with the situation. I, I'm getting the sense that they feel comfortable enough to play the waiting game with Dan Quinn for a couple reasons. And as stated, one, they want Dan Quinn to come back. They want him to feel as highly valued as Mike McCarthy said in the press conference that he is so highly valued that they would hold their entire process uh, on defense to allow him time to work through his interviews and then hopefully in their eyes remain in Dallas. But if he doesn't remain in Dallas, I feel that that's the other part of the equation and that they're, they're comfortable with maybe a current plan by saying, okay, well, if Dan does leave, then, hey, Joe, Al, whomever else already in the building, here's a ready-made package for you. So I just don't get the sense that they are uh, super pressed to go outside of the building to replace DQ if, in fact, DQ does leave. Last last one on this. Do, do you think there's something to, you know, being – it's going to be a lame duck season – a coach on his last year in regards to a hiring process? Because I know that's kind of been a conversation. I've had that conversation. I feel like, you know, if it's a coach on his last year of a deal, that that could deter someone, a position coach potentially joining that staff. You think that there's merit to that, or it's just kind of just like a myth? It's contextual. I mean, it's merit to it when it's merit to it. So I, I, what I mean by that is is you have to look at the culture that's been built between in the locker room and also the relationship between the players and the coaches and the coaching staff and the head coach. And you have to ask yourself, what does that culture look like? So, for example, yeah. I would say if you look at it, let, let's say the locker room in Dallas was fractured. Let's say it smelled like the Philadelphia Eagles locker room, right, where A.J. Brown is reportedly beefing with Sirianni and, you know, these this player is not – 
jiving with that player and Jalen Hurts versus A.J. Brown reportedly. Okay, that's a fractured locker room, and the head coach is rapidly, if not completely, losing that locker room in Philadelphia. If this is, in fact, in this using this as context, if this is, in fact, Nick Sirianni's last season and players feel that going in and it was already fractured before he went into this potentially final season, then that's a lame duck year. Because these players, especially the high-profile players, they, they could be looking at him like, oh, man, we're – we don't have to listen to you. Just we're just waiting you out. Yeah. Right. Like but Brandon if it's a Staley. situation like it is, <laughs> perfect example. Perfect example. Brandon Staley. But if you look at the the culture, that and I get it. There were reasons to part ways with Mike McCarthy. What happened against Green Bay Packers? There are no excuses for that. That was not a professional football team that put on the Cowboys uniform and went out there against the Green Bay Packers. It was abysmal. It was historically uh, bad. All of those things. Feel free to fire away. Also true that these players would run through a wall for Mike McCarthy. You saw guys celebrating the news that he was returning, and not only celebrating privately with their with their loved ones, but they hopped on Twitter, they hopped on Facebook, they were hopped on IG, they were out there celebrating it. And also, I can tell you behind the scenes in the building, they were celebrating it as well. So I look at that as not a lame duck season, but more of a prove it season in that. The Cowboys looked at Mike McCarthy and split the difference. They said, we're not going to fire you, but we're not going to extend you. We're going to push you into a prove-it season like a player. Now, we're going to treat this like you're a player. If you want an extension, you need to go out there and you need to win a Super Bowl in 2024. If you're the players who would now run through a wall for this particular head coach, you don't want this head coach to go out like that, and you don't want to go out like that. So because it's it's more culture-based, I see this as a particular or a chance, I should say, because we'll see how they perform. We'll see. We'll see. But mm-hmm. I see that this is a chance for this culture and this play, these players in this locker room to galvanize behind the fact that if McCarthy doesn't get the job done and if this is a coach that you love so dearly, so dearly, then you need to step it up as players. You need to make sure that you're executing nearly to perfection, do away with the penalties, Get better at your at your communication in real time and your adjustments on the field and things like that. Do everything in your power to try to keep this coach around. And I feel like that's how the players are going to approach it in 2024, which is why I don't call uh, McCarthy's season coming to come a lame duck as much as I call it a prove it year. I think the players are behind him. Ooh, yo, that was some high quality context and science right there, boy. I mean that. You just definitely reframe my mindset on this whole thing because that makes well, hey, so hey, much hey. damn sense right there. Hey, I stayed at the Holiday Inn Express last night. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you are <laughs> truly a scientist, sir. You are truly a scientist. I merely stayed at a Holiday Inn Express, okay? <laughs> <laughs> With Hattie B's. Exactly, exactly. I got, a, I got a good one, too, later, by the way. Y'all stick around for that. Um, So the Cowboys, you know, they, they got a whole lot of free agents this year. I think... 16 of them and I did a show yesterday on bringing back some of these dudes and it was just kind of just throwing it out there there wasn't wasn't a whole lot of context there because we don't know if Dan Quinn's returning I think that has a major impact however regardless of if he returns or not I feel like there's still certain guys that that are just you have to bring these dudes back or you should let me say not have to you should bring these guys back give me your top priority guys that should return to the Cowboys uh, of their 16 free agents First and foremost, I'm going to Jonathan Hankins. Uh, I, I think that it is paramount that you get Jonathan Hankins back in this building for a couple reasons. One, we know what he does for your run defense. Uh, two, 
we've seen him have one of his best recent seasons uh, this past one in 2023, not only as a, a run stopper and a you know a double teams eater, but also getting into the opposing backfield and disrupting. We talk about that multi-sack game he had uh, on the back end of the season. Um, the other part of that is Mozzie's not ready, and I don't know what you're doing with Mozzie yet. Yeah. And because I don't know what you're doing with Mozzie yet, with this weight reduction, is he a 3T, is he a 1T? You know, right now he's not a 1-tech, not with that weight, but – you know, need to see what's going on there in year two. Too much flux at, at, in that situation. So you got to get Jonathan Hankins back. For me, that that's a no-brainer. Um, Stephon Gilmore definitely wants Steph back. Um, I would have preferred that they did not play what turned out to be a 40% Stephon Gilmore with the torn labrum. I would have preferred a 100% Israel McQuamu <laughs> or 100% Deshaun Wright in the game of that magnitude. But don't get me started. Uh, Stephon Gilmore. Had a very, very strong season. Unfortunately, we did not get to see the Gilmore-Diggs combo. I would still love to see that, but now it would be the Gilmore-Diggs-Bland trio, which would be absolutely fantastic. To that point, I want Jordan Lewis back in the building. He is now back at top form. He was uh, mostly a dog in those past several regular season games, the last few regular season games, forcing takeaways, helping a run defense. Guess what? You need help with your run defense. So shouldn't let guys who are good in defending the run and covering and taking the ball away out of the building. Maybe Bland goes back to nickel, but then you need Jordan Lewis as both health insurance against injury and rotational duties. Um, and from there, you know, I want to see a guy like Dorrance Armstrong. I think he is perennially, perennially underrated by Cowboys fans and, and some in Cowboys media. I don't think people understand just how impactful he can be. And it just kind of goes from there. I'd like to see another year from Dante Fowler. I want Sam Williams unleashed. I did last year, but I don't know that I'm ready yet. I, I might have to take a step back on that, not because of the skill set. Sam Williams is a beast skill-wise, but mentally he has to learn how to do away with the penalties. So I feel like if you massively increase his snap count, you're – commensurately you're massively increasing the possibility of him getting penalties that extend the opposition's drives and put points on the board for them. So careful with that. So those mm-hmm. are some of the top ones. This running back room is going to look different. You know, love Rico. really like what Tony did. I, I would prefer that if you keep Tony, you're going to have to get an alpha um, in here. I don't – I think Tony Pollard is a phenomenal RB2. As RB1, you saw what you get there. Capable but not explosive. Rico – wonderful RB2. Is he RB1? I don't know that that's true. So, uh, and then the question comes, what do you do with Tyron Smith? Yeah. That, uh, that's, that's one big, that, that looms. I'd get him back on a one year deal, which allows you to approach the situation, the draft and develop guys like Austin Richards behind him. See if Matt Walesco can remain healthy. Uh, and then, you know, address that situation in 2025 as far as his future. But I would get Tyron Smith back on at least a one-year deal and let this be his his swan song. No Trent C? No, I'm just playing with you, bro. <laughs> uh, you say prioritize. I know. My brother, it. you don't want me to go down and, and break it down into quarters, right? First quarter, second quarter. You, we ain't got enough time for that much time. Right. Yeah, you gotta love Trent, man. I, much love for Trent. You didn't hear Trent saying call nah. at all, which means he did his job. He did his job, and he was killing it job. on social media, man. He was killing it. On exactly, did his job. Much love, Trent. Keep it, keep it up. Yeah. Hopefully, you come back because long snappers are they don't get the love, often, man. They don't get the love, especially for my brother KD Drummond. I see you, bro. 
you know, KD was hating on LP, the legend. I remember so, that. I, no, was, long I was producing those right. episodes, watching him hate on right. LP. You feel me? And where was I with it? Long snappers matter. Yeah. So, Trent, keep it up, man. Hope to see you back in Dallas next year. Hey, you was doing your job um, on .com. You wrote the article about the NFL honors. Uh, nominees for the Cowboys, you know, Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb, uh, Deron Bland, and Michael Parsons. So I kind of wanted to put this question to you. You know, they all had amazing seasons, impressive seasons. Who do you think had the most impressive season of the four, though? Oh, man. Um, that's, a, that's a tough one, and I've been thinking about that one. When it comes to Dak Prescott, you know, it was one of his best regular seasons ever. But I've also seen, and this is not a knock to him, obviously. Uh, this is just contextually speaking. I've also seen him throw for almost 5,000 yards and uh, and set the, the Cowboys' single-season franchise record just falling just a few yards shot, 20 Romo. So I've seen Dak Prescott do this. Um, CeeDee Lamb hadn't seen him do it like this, yeah. right? Uh, Michael Parsons, I've seen him do this. You know, 14 sacks with 13 and a half last year, 13 before. I've seen him do this. Deron Bland, haven't seen him or anyone ever do this, and that's where I have to land. CeeDee Lamb had just an explosive, utterly ridiculous season that could have been even more so. Maybe he's a 2,000-yard receiver if the Cowboys' offense didn't, didn't sputter out of the gate over the first four or five weeks. Um, but fact is, when the offense was sputtering, Deron Bland was doing it he did it in week one, right? Trip drill, interception, right? Mm-hmm. No one has ever, 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 ever had five pick sixes. And talk about how old the NFL is as an organization. That is unbelievable. And that's why I wrote in, I want to say, mid-November in that particular science lab that I believe that Deron Bland needs to be a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. At the time, he was nowhere near being in the conversation odds-wise. And now the NFL honors um, finalists have been released, and voila, Deron Bland is a finalist, and I hope he comes home with the, the, the trophy. He's up against it because there's obvious edge rush bias, you know, Micah, yeah. uh, Max, TJ, Miles. But notice there's only one cornerback in that conversation, and it's because of how special Deron's season has been. So obviously you would have liked to see with all of this talent and all of these potential honorees on a roster and all these all, all pros and pro bowlers that this season didn't end as horrifically as it did. But these are regular season honors, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And when it comes to that, I'm going to go with Deron Blair. Man, I said this earlier. It feels like any other season, I don't even know if it'd be particularly close. I, I mean, you break the record for pick sixes. You, get, you lead the league in interceptions. I, I don't know how. It's not like somebody at the defensive end room had 30 sacks, you know, 10 forced fumbles right. or, or anything like that. We watched Stephon Gilmore win Defensive Player of the Year, and he had like half the interceptions and half right. the pick sixes. His numbers so. weren't even comparable to what Durant yeah. did. So, to that point, Stephon did it. Uh, what twenty nineteen was that? I, I think so. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, Stephon did it with numbers that at the time were phenomenal. And now you look at Durant's numbers in comparison to those numbers, and you are hard pressed to find an adjective that matches what we witnessed. This year, so ladies and gentlemen, for all of the the you know the nauseating, gut wrenching emotions you have coming out of the Green Bay loss, I share them with you. But it's also true that we will look back one day on what Deron Bland did in 2023, and and probably realize that we'll never see that again. Mm. Man, what what amazing from anyone 
ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it. What was the record? Five, and that was what in the nineties or something. And the record was or four. Record four. was four. Yeah, the record was four. So he yeah. matched the record, and then was like, let me let me put one more yeah, one more on top put of the cherry it. on top of that, and then went on to lead the league in interceptions as well. So yeah, it's Deron Bland for me. Um, Micah did exactly what we thought he'd do. TJ, you know, and I, I told I had this conversation with Nick Eaton just yesterday. Uh, and as far as that category, defensive player of the year, I said I understand it's not easy to get. 15, 18, 20 sacks. No one's saying it's easy to get that many sacks because it's not. But I promise you it is easier to get 20 sacks than it is to get five pick sixes and lead the league in interception. That's that's facts. No, that's and science. That, and that is exactly why Deron Bland should be defensive player of the year. You heard it here first, Cowboys Nation. Deron Bland, D-P-O-Y. Hey, Pat. Man, good stuff today. We shoot, we might have to do Fridays more often. If you're gonna be able to give us like 20 minutes, I might have to <laughs> finesse your contract or something, bro. <laughs> yeah, I ain't trying to. I ain't trying to give you no ideas. See what I mean? See what I mean? Give it say no, nah, say <laughs> y'all don't know what I had to do to get him here on Friday. Hey, hey, dog, you know, can't come through on Friday. Man. I gotta come. Appreciate you, though, bro. Oh, man. <laughs> no worries, man. I'll talk to you later, bro. You have a good one. You too, dog. That is Patrick Dosey Walker of DallasCowboys.com.